Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of Beyond the Present podcast. I am, as always, joined here with Daniel Mulligan. How's it going, Dan? Hey, my man, buddy. How are you? Good to be here with you for yet another great episode. And of course, life is great. The world is gradually getting out of that crazy quarantine mood. And uh, since, you know, of course, we're now uh, officially in summer, so things are getting about the second wave. But for now, we can actually breathe a little bit go outside, go to the parks, uh, and uh, even have business meetings and stuff while maintaining, of course, social distancing. So life seems a lot better now than it was like a, a month ago. But for now, we have to, of course, remain hopeful and see what happens. On the other front, of course, we had a major protests uh, following the death of George Floyd, and uh, the world is now expressing and condemning this act. And I'm very happy about this matter, the fact that this voice is being heard and all minorities around the world will now have their voice heard. So they can actually understand there's no place for racism in our modern world. And uh, most recently I heard that Joe Biden actually exceeded Trump in terms of his popularity. So now, as of now, he's about 50% popular, much higher than what Obama actually had a while back, while Trump's dropped to 43. So basically on the political front, on the business front, and on the social front, things seem a lot better, more positive and hopeful. And of course, it couldn't be any better right now because now I'm feeling great. And of course, being here with you right now is just a great testament to that feeling and expression. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, likewise, um, it's a... Uh... It's a complimentary situation going on here. And yes, I think uh, things are, again, if we don't jinx it right now, <laughs> I'm not a superstitious person, but you never know. Um, so anywho, uh, so top, uh, today's topic is not too distant from uh, this conversation that we've been having until now. And that is about uh, this, this thing called the precautionary principle, which basically, um, uh, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, it, it means that if... Uh, you know, you attack problems or or if you're unsure, you go with the most uh, extreme precaution possible and default to status quo, essentially. Um, and we're going to talk about the problems and that can come of that. Actually, there was an article motivating our conversation, which we're going to definitely put on the <laughs> show notes. People can uh, read for themselves for their pleasure. Um, however, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to talk about that uh, from our perspective. So what do you think about this um, uh, this principle and uh, and what how do how do you look at this? Um, well, you know? I think before we actually express mm -hmm. you know uh, this to our audience, I think they should first know because we, you and I both we know what sure. it means, but maybe our audience don't know. So, okay. would you right now go ahead first tell our listeners a basic definition so they can know what we are talking about here? Of course, no, I, I definitely as I as I mentioned. So, procrastinating. Okay, actually, I, actually, I can um, bring a. Pro, uh, precise definition up here. Um, That's right, of course. But in a nutshell, it means that you're, you're attacking problems from the point of view of being uh, cautious. So, okay, this is, a, this is a Google definition of it. The principle that the That's introduction, right. yes. The principle that the introduction of a new product or process could be also a legislature uh, whose uh, ultimate right. effects are disputed or unknown should be resisted. Mm -hmm. It has mainly been used to prohibit uh, importation of um, genetically modified organism and food. Well, that's not just the thing we're talking about, but of course, of course it has something course. with the GMOs as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So Basically, inherently, as you mentioned, it's about being you know, having precautions for anything new and strange or not tested before tried. And quite frankly speaking, as you've already, you know, gave our listeners definition, uh, as you probably know, my attitude towards life, I believe in balance. So 
if you want to create a lifestyle where you are resisting and you know somehow going against uh, the new, then there will be no progress. There will be no development. There will be no innovation. And I'm against that because the world needs to move forward. And if, if we are not moving forward, then automatically we go backwards. I'm taking a look at right now the current world uh, you know, affairs right now. Since we did not maintain our forward movement that was actually initiated, now we are seeing in some parts of the world people are actually going back. They're going back to their values that we escaped from in the 20th century and are now being repeated in the 21st. And this, is, this goes back, I don't know, to things like uh, you know, not caring about the environment and right. uh, making gold, for example, I don't know, coal mining a popular job again, despite the fact that it should be abandoned. And there are now there are nations around the world who have abandoned this completely. There are now few nations in the opinion that do not allow, for example, coal mining anymore, right? Now, because of this, you know, uh, forward mo you know, uh, momentum and these, uh, this future orientation, obviously, that we have, obviously, we need to accept some new... Uh, At the same time, if you want to, you know, innovate everything and all the time, then there will be no sense of security. There'll be no sense of control over what's happening. And that's also chaotic. And as you probably know, I'm a fan of balance in all things. And, and of course, as I mentioned, uh, you really have to focus on, you know, creating that balance approach in this situation. So am I against it? Uh, you know, trying to somehow prevent the new ideas to coming through? Of course not, because we need them. Without those, uh, you know, there will be no moving forward. And if we don't move forward, we will automatically by default go backwards. At the same time, should we allow everything right away? Probably not. There needs to be some re you know, research, some testing before you know, these things are actually uh, gone mainstream. So as you probably already know, my uh, preference, of course, here is a middle ground approach and a balanced one, basically. Yes, exactly. And uh, well, of course, nobody expects to you know, um, uh, plan things and go, go about them haywire hey without any testing or anything. But there's also a degree of risk taking that needs to be because ultimately there's nothing going to be um, absolute, especially before trial absolute. and error. Uh, you need some some degree of trial and error and some degree of it you can do in lab and you know uh, make sure okay this is cr clearly crazy or this idea seems to be okay we don't know for sure we need to uh, we need to um, go about and uh, try it on a you know small scale and then see what happens. So ultimately, lots of things that we do. Um, are basically experiments, and some of some of them are, uh, you know, scientific experiments. Some of them are social experiments, etc. And like uh, this whole democracy is a really a, or or even you know, or even Marxist ideas or uh, communism, whatever. All of these are uh, theories. Nobody tested them That's in true. lab and proved that they 100% work. <laughs> At some point, we accepted. Okay, exactly. let's give give this thing a try. <laughs> and uh, that's how, as you mentioned, progress comes about. So now um, let's talk about. Um, so I think the benefits are quite clear uh, of testing, nice. of research, or of you know uh, making sure everything works well. Now let's talk about the downsides of doing it too much. What do you think? What are your points of view in when this thing is overdone and then the balance goes out a window and we're overdoing it and we're over concerned um, and what 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 could go wrong if we are? Well, out? that's a great question. And if you, of course, if you you know uh, take a look at the world right now. We do have certain nations that are extremely on the side of, you know, uh, innovation and trying new things and uh, taking those kind of risks. A clear example of that, if you just take a look, you know, the uh, COVID-19 crisis, uh, you, you saw how, for example, Sweden decided to actually go on the experiment of testing this. And they actually did not impose any of the restrictions that almost every other country was imposing on their citizens. 
They allowed everything, you know, they allowed life to basically go uh, on as usual with some, of course, levels of precaution, but not so, as much as the other nations. And then we had, of course, nations that went on complete lockdown. Think of like China, for example, or a few other nations who impose very strict limitations on their citizens. And of course, you can see the results. In the end, if you take a look at it, uh, both extreme approaches, from my point of view, were not the most successful. If you're going to think of like, you know, all the results that have come so far in terms of the rate of fatality, in terms of the actual life satisfaction and economic damage, uh, ironically, the best nation in this regard, one of the best nations who truly handled this well, was neither Sweden nor the United States or China. It was actually uh, Germany. Germany came as one of the top nations in terms of how well they handled it how their medical system actually handled the situation, how much restrictions they had on their people, how soon they got it out. Actually, Germany was one of the first nations in Europe that actually opened its theaters and opened right. basically its culture centers long before all the other nations were actually gradually opening their businesses. So this showed a great you know, uh, balanced approach uh, to this uh, issue. And uh, while Sweden did not impose any restrictions on their people and they wanted to stick to this, you know, new liberal, uh, basically, uh, attitude towards life. They did, uh, well, you know, bottom line, as of today, they did suffer a, a higher fatality rate uh, than, of course, the other members of the European Union. And, and of course, the U.S. story was not caring at all, seeing what Trump did, now led to the U.S. being the number one hotspot in the world. So because of this, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, looking at the examples. Because the best way to know which approach works, we call this modeling. You know, in NLP and in various, uh, basically, schools of thought, modeling, not the career modeling as, you know, uh, for example, a hot girl going for a catwalk, but like modeling the behavior of someone who has achieved the kind of success that you have achieved is the foundation for true success that anybody can actually replicate. And just a simple example when it comes to just handling the, you know, the COVID-19 crisis shows that by looking at which countries got the best results, we can then somehow uh, repeat that behavior to get the same results. This was, of course, about, you know, the COVID-19 crisis. How about other areas economically? Again, while Germany, perhaps, is, was one of the best nations in this regard, was it also the best in terms of, let's say, economy and entrepreneurship? Probably not. One of the best in Europe, for sure, but not globally. For that, we have other nations who exceed this, the U.S. being, of course, uh, mainly one of them. So the point is this. In all areas of life, we have an opportunity here. We can look at patterns of excellence in terms of their decisions. And if you look at those, you oftentimes realize most of those nations or groups that are getting the best results are opting for that, you know, uh, basically uh, moderate approach. Why is that? Because both extremes will have problems. So let's go to the you know, fundamental issue here, whether it is to be extremely conservative and reject all new ideas. I mean, we all probably know some of these people in our select, well, I got my Bible. That's the only book I ever need to read for the rest of my life. So right. These are like great examples of those who will fall behind, many of whom probably are Trump voters. And this is a great example of going backwards, closing your mind and not paying any attention. On the other hand, I'm also not a fan of being extremely open to every new idea. We have to experiment things. And I think gradually we have to towards them. So right now we are seeing this uh, as you know, during the same period where Trump basically is uh, trying to impose, uh, you know, tariffs on international business and uh, promoting, I don't know, coal mining in the U.S. We are seeing basically uh, a lot of changes in, all across Europe, which is right now, as of today, 
I find European Union to be, uh, you know, uh, perhaps a leader in terms of futurism, which is why I actually made, uh, you know, my company's headquarters for Malgan Enterprises basically in, uh, you know, the European Union and is now forced to move to Berlin, Germany, because I wanted to be a part of that forward movement because I, you know, our podcast is called Beyond the Present. So you and I both, you're a physicist and uh, we care about the future. We want things to be better than the past. We want progress. And of course, that's why I feel like you're seeing that Europe. Now, I'm not saying that the European approach towards uh, progress is necessarily the best approach. And there are some cases where they go extreme, as we saw, you know, in this uh, crisis that just uh, happened to us. Uh, I believe that when you, when you look at, you know, the issue of progress, you need to accept certain degrees of risk. And not all risks will necessarily pay off. But if you are not willing to take that risk, you will automatically reject change. You will automatically reject progress. And that's not good. So uh, while you should not necessarily try everything new, because by doing so, perhaps you will uh, have to lose a lot. At the same time, being resistant towards any change just proves your closed-mindedness. At the same time, of course, uh, we discussed earlier about this matter, which is why I'm a huge fan of embracing globalism as a means of not only fighting racism, actually appreciating what it means to be more moderate, what it means to be a bit more open-minded and to not resist every change the moment we hear, but to actually let the voice be heard and give it some thoughts and consideration before we decide to say yes or no to that new pattern, basically. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And okay, so now, um, so I have two questions. Uh, I think they're follow up. One is follow up of the other. But so, what makes uh, what do you think uh, makes a person inherently uh, conservative or uh, more uh, risk 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 taking? Um, and if you are one or the other, and you want to hit the balance, what can you do to get there? How can you? Um, wow. I mean, it's it's really a hard hard thing to say because if you really have that mindset, the change is very hard for both cases, I suppose. Maybe it's That's easier right. for the risk-taking uh, kind because mm -hmm. he's already trying um, uh, different ideas. But generally speaking, okay, first, uh, what makes some person more risk-averse or risk-taker? And uh, how can one change uh, themselves about that? Fantastic. Great point. And the first question, of course, uh, what are the, you know, the factors to determine whether we are going to be more resistant towards it or more accepting of it? There are certain elements that tend to make us more conservative by default. First, of course, being religion. So if you are a religious person, therefore you must adhere to your, to your religious principles. So generally, secular people are a lot more open-minded to, and, and they're open to new experiences, whether it is to try even like you know, genetic modification uh, than those who are religious or believers. So religion by default, if you find nations like the US, which is pretty religious compared to most other you know, developed nations, you see a higher degree of conservatism. So things like abortion, things like gay marriage seem like, oh my gosh, way out. At the same time where, for example, European nations are openly uh, promoting, for example, gay couples having children. And we are seeing them in their sitcoms where they, because uh, of course I tend to, uh, uh, you know, to improve my foreign languages, I tend to watch a lot of European shows uh, to practice my languages. And I seem like in Europe, it's very common uh, for them to demonstrate, like, for example, lesbian couples, where a son comes home and says, hey, mom, hey, mom, to two girls. And that's a family. But such a thing probably would cause a lot of taboos among the conservative Americans if, if that were to become a very major show, for example, right? So because of this, I believe that religion is one of those factors that tends to, uh, you know, uh, make a person more conservative. The other element, of course, is wealth. Again, the U.S. is also uh, the, the wealthiest nation on earth. And 
unfortunately, it's not just about nations, it's about individuals. As people become wealthier themselves, as their net worth goes higher, I have seen among my own contacts, I've seen my, in my own life as well, as you basically, as your net worth and your wealth uh, increases over time, you generally tend to be more conservative too, because now you, all of a sudden you don't want to lose your money. So you got to be a lot more careful to keep doing what has worked to generate more wealth. So generally among business, uh, basically communities, those who tend to be focused on wealth, uh, entrepreneurship, we see higher degrees of uh, basically conservatism than uh, among those who are uh, rather less capitalistic in nature, if you will, and more on the side of socialism. The third element, of course, is age, which is, of course, linked, again, to both wealth and religion. As we know, the higher the age, the higher likelihood that you will be wealthier or more religious. So uh, as you uh, get older, you tend to be a lot more conservative because you've been around, uh, you know, let's say a lot longer than a 19-year-old or a 25-year-old. So you tend to be a lot more grounded and rooted in your beliefs, like I've seen the world and this is the way it is. So influencing somebody who is, for example, I don't know, 19 years old will be a lot different than somebody who is, I don't know, 75, right? And because of this, you need to understand that age itself is a major factor. And finally, uh, and perhaps most importantly, it's the culture. Certain cultures by nature allow open-mindedness and allow experimentation. Again, we see this mainly in Europe right now, whereas some other cultures uh, who are on the more traditional side, be it, for example, China, be it South, for example, East uh, Asia, be the Middle East uh, and Islamic nations, you see, of course, a lot more tendency towards, uh, you know, accepting traditions. And traditions and religions are not the same things. They tend to have a lot in common, but traditions could be quite separate, could be very non-religious, as we see, in, for example, in China. So these four uh, elements of religion, wealth, age, and tradition tend to make uh, people more conservative and less open-minded. Now, I'm not saying these are bad, because they definitely are not. Examples are abound, we can know that, that uh, there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong with being wealthier or uh, aging or uh, having traditions or simply having a, you know, a specific, uh, basically, religious belief. This, these are all fine and it's everybody's right to pursue their you know, uh, goals. But generally speaking, when you look at the opposite, uh, you know, the exact opposite, so as we mentioned, religion. So those who are uh, more secular, uh, those who are generally more middle class or upper middle class or lower class, and those who are generally uh, on the side of basically, uh, uh, let's say, modernity and uh, modernism rather than tradition, uh, of course, generally they tend to have, uh, let's say, higher uh, level of openness towards new experiences and trying new things. And uh, one, once you put it all together, you realize that uh, it's best, of course, to opt for something in the middle uh, because nobody wants to necessarily be, uh, go bankrupt because they're trying new things all the time. And holding on to your millions and just re rejecting the facts also is not good because in the long term, it'll actually harm the future generations. Think of those, you know, billionaires who are now uh, denying global warming, for example. They, they will definitely, and maybe they will enjoy their, you know, uh, money, but their grandchildren probably won't. And these are the facts that I think uh, we have to consider and we have to ask ourselves, where am I on this scale of religion, wealth, age, and uh, basically uh, culture? Am I... Uh, do I th think of myself to be basically more religious or less religious? Do I think of myself to be older or younger? Do I think of myself to be basically uh, a middle class or more like the upper class? Or do I think of myself to be more traditional or more modern? And this will then determine, of course, your initial position. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, so I think we're, we've covered a lot here and we're coming to the end of the show. So I want to give you the time at the end of the show to 
um, either you know review things for for us and basically sum it up, or if you if there's anything missing that you want to talk about, uh, go ahead. Very well. But before actually I go for the uh, you know the whole oh. thing because I would like to you know uh, summarize the point. Uh, sure. Do yourself, Pujit, to which uh, guild, if you will, do you belong, or are you in the middle right. somewhere? Like, what is your own uh, perspective here? Yeah, I think I find myself a tad more on the risk taker side, but I am um, uh, to, very much towards the center. But um, maybe it's very towards, good. Yeah, and this exactly should be all of our goals. I mean, like right now, uh, once you look at your goals right now, all of your goals should be mainly centered on uh, basically this uh, balance in the middle, basically. And mm -hmm. you, of course, you have all the characteristics of being more on the right side. That is, you are of course young. Uh, you right. tend to uh, basically, from my point of view, be more on the, let's say, uh, open-minded side, more on the secular side. You, of course, mm -hmm. have that uh, approach of, you know, embracing, embracing modernity. I mean, you're an immigrant yourself. Right. You've, moved, uh, you've moved around the world. And obviously, you know, uh, you are an academician and you're focused on your work and your studies. So this shows why you are a more balanced individual. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the same applies to me as well because we obviously share the same beliefs here. But for those of our listeners who find themselves on the extremes of conservatism or uh, basically open-mindedness, as uh, Pujas mentioned, I think the best approach is in the middle somewhere. Whether you are religious or uh, secular, whether you are old or young, whether you are extremely wealthy or just getting started, or whether you come from a you know, very traditional background or from a modern background, you want to find that middle because that's where the best stuff is basically. And that was exactly what we talked about today, Pujas. We talked about how we can actually understand the principles, this precautionary approach towards, uh, you know, making decisions or embracing new things. And we discussed yeah. that there are two major approaches, those who support it, those who are more on the conservative side, uh, who tend to reject new ideas, uh, or they are very skeptical of them. And then we have those who are embracing them all the time and without any problem. And we discussed uh, their features. We mentioned four elements to determine whether or not you'll be on either side. Uh, and those four were, of course, uh, your age, your wealth, uh, your uh, basically uh, culture and background, whether it's traditional or modern. And uh, of course, uh, it comes down to your religious beliefs. Are you more religious or are you more uh, secular? And once you put it all together, you realize it doesn't really matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you go to church every Sunday or if you perhaps, I don't know, uh, spend most of your time, I don't know, just on the couch enjoying, uh, let's say, uh, the TV series on Netflix and just having a good time and perhaps doing some pot every now and then. What really matters is how can both sides bring themselves to that center, that sweet spot in the middle where they do have certain beliefs that they hold to be true, but at the same time, they're always willing to reconsider their beliefs should they prove uh, false or wrong. And of course, that's what we are promoting here on our podcast. And of course, our listeners will listen to that as well. Excellent. No, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, thank you for joining us today, as always. My pleasure, buddy, and thank you for a great topic and, a great, and all the great questions you asked, actually. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, thank you, all the audience and listeners, for joining us for yet another episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, feel free to uh, give your topics that you want us uh, to hear us talk about or you want uh, to, you know, us to research about because obviously not all of the topics that you might introduce, we might not be familiar with them but we do all of our best to research and talk about them as best as we could. Um, and until a later episode, have a good one.